on Giddy Up, the weekend review with Dean Watley, Julian Valance, and Jack Dickens. Let's welcome in the team, foxcatcherintel.com's very own Jules Valance. Hello, Jules. G'day, Gaz. How are you going? You saw that, didn't you? Siri was trying to talk to me while I was trying to um, talk to everyone out there. I just reckon Siri would have some stories on you, just yeah. in sort of in behind the sheets of Gaz Hall on occasion, especially on the weekends after yeah. some interesting trots. Yes, that's a very good point you make. Um, from the Marlbag Bloodstock, hello to you, Jack Dickens. Where do we find you this morning? Uh, I'm on a highway. I'm not sure which one it is, but I'm on one. Yep. On the way to the vet. Okay. Um, what, what have you done to yourself? <laughs> an old footy injury for one of the dogs. Yeah. Um, Dean Watling, of course, from the Barry Attendant, joined us. G'day, Dino. Morning, fellas. Your third Bucks party um, um, in a row. How are you travelling on this Monday? Yeah, I think I've turned a corner. I think I'm, I'm meant to be a fitness fit at this time of year, but I think I'm drinking fit. So um, I could go again, actually. Put me okay. around another lap. Well, I don't think you could, really. Looking at you, you look like <laughs> crap. Um <laughs> And people might be able to... Try and get, need to try and get in winner's fit now, Gareth. Yes. Oh, you're a bit harsh on Dino from time to time, Dicko, but let's move on. And... We're gonna, we'll talk about it a bit more on Thursday, right. but I'll tell you what, my shoulders are getting pretty sore with that multi. Yeah, well, I was... No, you probably got... You had two tips in that multi, and you got one up, Jack, so um, I wouldn't get well, ahead I tried, of... I tried a tip three and two of a one, and you both didn't land yeah, one. Yeah, I wouldn't so... get ahead of yourself just yet. Hey, Jules, what did you learn from the weekend? I've got something I learned, and I might need your advice on this, because I think out of... If I had to go to a psychologist out of any of you three, it'd be you, Jules, to sit down and have a chat to you and talk about my problems. <laughs> um, but what did you make of the weekend? What did you learn? I wouldn't wish that upon anyone, no. but... Um, yeah. I probably not something that I learned, but I think for the punters out there, I think any time rail goes out probably any further than eight at Flemington and they're up the straight on a good track, obviously, um, always think that they're going to go back to the flat. And I know we've spoken about it. We speak about it a lot at Foxcatcher that, you know, where it's trending towards middle to outside isn't an advantage. And it's not a massive advantage. But when you think of the horse population, there's not much difference between a lot of these horses and restricted racing, obviously on Friday I'm speaking about, there wasn't much between a lot of them. I mean, there might've been one horse that had panels on them, but it's bled. Um, but other than that, I think just going forward, if we get rail out eight meters plus Flemington, don't give up on those horses drawn inside because the flat's okay. okay. So I think that's one you've got to always continue um, look at for Flemington. Just on that, I think it was great that a few of the, connections and owners and trainers got an opportunity to compete at Flemington. They might not ever get that opportunity, but I don't know about that, um, the, this rapid racing format, because it's like someone from the Menangatang seniors getting a chance to play at the MCG. Like they were having 60 starts for just the one win and turning up there at headquarters, Jules. Did, do you like the format? Do you think it works? Well, it's, it's an odd one because they call it rapid racing. Yet if we go to Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, in Victoria, we've got 30-minute gaps usually anyway. Yeah. So I don't know what's rapid about it. Um, I would love if you were going to do it, you put the lightning stakes on there and, and you have a real good crack at yep. it. And I think then you might get people to come and, and, and see see your, your product. But as a moment, as it sits, it's restricted racing and, you know, maybe there's some good horses out of the out of the deck. But, um, yeah, that's what I'd like to see. I'd have a good crack at it if you're going to do it and, and put a lightning stakes on. 736 Some great prizes to give away today. I'll let you know in just a moment what those prizes are. But 736 to join our conversation. You might have learned something. You might have a horse that we need to follow. An opinion about the weekend's racing, let us know. 
Um, Dicko, what did you learn from the weekend? Just that how important speed maps are. Like Saturday, Saturday and Friday in Victoria, you just needed to nail them. If you didn't nail them, you would have lost. Uh, straight racing's on pace suited almost always. Uh, Flemington, it's just a big edge. Like Saturday at Mooney Valley, if you got the wrong, if you got the map wrong, you probably lost. Dino, unmute yourself, Dino. There you oh, go. Wow. Well, that might help. Yeah. Mine um, is the, the Peter and Paul Snowden team up with James McDonald, especially with their two-year-olds. They had another win, Don own on the weekend. Um, probably not a noted big trial of this horse, but once again, the, the Peter and Paul Snowden just churning out two-year-old winners. They've got Kings Gambit, who's the headline act, um, the two-year-old ranks in the minute. And over the past three years, when J-Mac and the Snowdens team up, they're striking at 29.3% against market expectation of 17.5. So the they're a phenomenal combo. Uh, whenever we see them in Sydney, especially on two-year-olds or your early three-year-olds, you just got to take note, um, no matter what the price is at all, fellas. I've got a lesson. I don't know if this is a lesson. It's probably advice, and hopefully you guys can help us out with a little bit of this because you're professionals. I was having a chat to a few of my mug punter mates, including myself there at the pub the other day, and um, I think sometimes that, Jules, that you could actually have the, the yips as a punter where you just lose all type of confidence and you force things and you doubt yourself and you do all of the work still, um, but you're in this uncomfortable headspace or a spot where you're just like completely out of form and every rain that you pull is the wrong rain. Um, have you ever been in that situation and how do you get yourself out of it? Daily. Yeah. Um, it is tough. And the thing, and the thing is really, to be honest, punting is a very lonely thing in itself. I yeah. mean, yeah, you can chew the fat and, and talk about certain things, but you're the one pulling the trigger. Um, so I say, so yeah, you gotta, it, it's hard because, you know, I could give advice of how you get out of it, but for different people, you either swing through it or you, you, you cut your stake back or all those kinds of things. You look at many different variables that you have to do. It is a complete head and yeah. you've got to um, you got to try and grind your way through it if you want to continue with it, or you go off and do something else because it's never easy. And the moment you think you've got it covered, it'll come and absolutely smash it. I talked to this. My father-in-law was a bookmaker, and he he's got terrific wisdom. From, um, and he always said to me, Dicko, that bookmaking, when he was a bookmaker and punting, is the greatest life lesson of all time because it teaches you to accept losses, but teaches you also how to bounce back and um, make sure that you keep a level head um, through the good and the tough times. But Yeah, you got to you got to come at it with a with a realistic point of view. Like if you bet for a living, you're going to lose more bets than you win as a starting point. But not even for a and living. It, Most of our audience like want to win, but they do it as a Yeah, semi- so if, if you're betting if you're losing more than you win when you're doing it for a living, you're probably going to lose even more when you're doing it as a yeah. hobby. So you just need to accept that as a starting point. So when you have a couple of outs, that's just the game you're playing. But I think a really important part of it, two parts, is to bet within a team or a community so you can like share thoughts and share the wins and, and most importantly, ride the losses. But have a starting point that's consistent so that you can always fall back onto a system to which you use to get to a, to a decision. So you can go back and analyze your, your decision-making process. So it's not all like, oh, well, you know, it's J-Mac. J-Mac's on this horse, it's second up. Well, that's not a good way to bet. You need to have a really pattern to how you build your prices and make your decisions so you can trust the process. 
and everybody has a different mindset, don't they, Dino? Some people have different staking plans or the way they go about it, but you just got to try and work out, I guess, how you find your mojo in a way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you're a recreational punter, you, you just want to have fun. So in the sense of that, figure out what you're good at, get clarity in your betting, know what you enjoy, what you're going to target and stick to that. And the biggest thing when I go through bad periods and we all do it is stripping it back, figuring out where your winners were coming from, where you were doing good at and, and get back to that. Often when you're winning, you can sort of be a bit more reckless and go off track, but stripping it right back, figuring out what you enjoy. And like Dico said, get around your mates, enjoying it, having a punters club, doing something like that. I think that um, adds value to, to the punt and can get you out of those ruts. Oh four double nine seven three six seven three six. David says, I've learned a lesson. I'm sick of backing horses that get held up at Mooney Valley. Um, what's the secret of um, not trying to speed find maps, those horses? Speed maps, speed maps. So what, so I think David, he, I think he was on a few of those horses drawn inside gates in those big fields. When they start to fan down the side there at Mooney Valley past the school, Dicko, um, you want it, you don't want to be backing horses on the inside then who have drawn the inside yeah, gates. Yeah, but that's, that's the game. Like I, yeah. I had a small bet three and four pence in the last just because I was there, really. Little victim bet, you could call it. And as soon as it, she didn't show any intent and it was half slow, I... I knew I was done and it was going to be a miracle if I got out. And that's what happened. She was held up in the straight along with Hennessy Lad. Yeah. Those horses that, that you're hoping are going to settle like leaders back and they don't, you're basically done. You're, and that, but I knew that going in. You're more chance of getting out of Gloucester Park through back the fence than Mooney Valley when it's like that. Um, Jules, your advice there? Yeah, I mean, Dicko's right. Whatever I mean, that is. <laughs> Dicko's right. The speed maps are so important. Um, and that's, you know, the big the big guys that move markets, they heavily base on speed maps and it's for a reason that, you know, you got positioning run. Um, it's a, it's a major advantage and probably around Mooney Valley when that deck on Saturday, it raced really fast. So, um, you needed all the luck you're going, going your way. So if you were held up for maybe half a stride or, or whatever, oh. it was enough to get your beat. We'll take our first break. 16 minutes past eight. This is the racing review on Giddy Up on this Monday morning. Join our conversation 0499 736 736. Plenty still to come on this Monday morning. Full credit, not far away. And also we'll continue to find out um, our horses to follow, maybe some horses to sack after the weekend's racing. Welcome back to Giddy Up. This is the Weekend Review. 0499736736. Best text messages today. Winner, a mailbag bloodstock cap, a barrier attendant cap, and I don't know if the fox catchers turned up just yet with the memorabilia. Not memorabilia, but the merchandise. Well, it might be memorabilia yeah. if we go into <laughs> receivership. Yes. <laughs> I, I've saw, uh, like... I've um, had a look at the Foxcatcher hats too. They mm. look pretty good. Yeah, I'll bring them in. Yeah, I, I keep saying that, don't I? Yeah, oh four double nine seven three six seven three six. Please explain. Um, this is one for all of you guys. But I was having a chat to your counterpart the other day, Dicko, <laughs> in Shane Curlio on that Saturday morning, and he was tipping one of Chris Waller's horses, and in the end, I think it paid fifteen dollars. So full credit to Curlio for getting that tip out. But he did point out that. He's just got to wait late to back this horse because he only backs swallow horses once they he sees some market support late in betting. Um, mm. Do you see that trend in Victoria? Um, and can you explain how you would punt the Chris Waller camp? Because it's a pretty important stable to get your head around. Uh, the Waller camp in Melbourne, 
I, I don't worry about the market. I worry about the map. So I worry about like while wide draws, it's probably going to be no intent. Whereas they play draw inside and they're second or third up and you think they might settle worse in midfield, you can anticipate they might show a bit more intent and settle further forward. Um, read the market. Jules probably more attuned to this, but less so lately, but definitely the Kieran Mar stable. If, if they drift, I, I don't want to be near them. You know, I'd like to be sort of laying them at any price. Whereas yeah. if if they firm and you like them, I'm happy to take say three thirty instead of three eighty, just for that big push from from that yard because they seem to know. Jules, yeah, it's a it's a good point, and I've um, been a bit advocative. You miss the early price. Um, sometimes it's okay. You want to see as Digo goes a push for certain horses and and from certain camps and. It's okay to miss that early price, and if you're taking then a reduced price, but at least you know the horse is there. And I think people that want to go, well, as soon as the markets go, I want to take four dollars about this horse. You could go one way; it could end up six fifty, and you got completely none. Just wait, and if you take the three twenty, yeah, you miss the four dollars, but you're gonna win long term doing that than trying to jump in early and take an early price so- about certain camps. Yeah, sorry to butt in again, but just think of it as if you're, you're building a price and there's a number of factors that go into your price. So you've got your speed map, your jockey, your form, the, the horse itself, whatever it is. Another factor can be that the market loves this horse. You can give it another couple of points, which will change your price that you're happy to take from 360 versus 380. So now I'm happy to take 310 and I can get 330. It's just another factor that you can add into your price. Dino, do you have a philosophy on this? Yeah, I think if you miss the early price, I think you get caught up with some of these mythical early prices as well that sort of get put up and knocked off straight away. But I agree with the boys. I think if you miss that early price, wait till race day, see what the market does. I think the the perfect example was Tom Kittens two weeks ago, who was smashed from sixes into threes. And then we got to race day and five minutes out, it was threes back out to sixes. So if you've chimed in when it got knocked off early, um, you've taken unders and then race day that decided it. So... With Chris Waller and speaking in Sydney, he is a perfect example of a stable that you want to see market support for. And Dicko's probably nailed it. They generally come for the Waller horses when they draw inside 10 and they're going to map well when they draw outside. They often drift because they go back. But um, I think the boys have really summed it up. I think it's really important though, Gareth. What I'm talking about, I think Jules is definitely talking about, and Dean, is I'm only talking about the money late. Late money. I don't care what happens from Wednesday to Saturday morning with a Kiramar horse, it's the late money that matters. Yeah. And that could be a good study next week, Jules, to go through the big stables, whether you back them if they, like you have to be with them if they're firming and then it doesn't really matter if they're, they're drifting. It'd be interesting to analyse the Godolphin team regarding that because mm. I don't think Sheikh Mohammed is telling everyone to bet. Yeah. and But at the end of the day, the, the, the movement in that last, you know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes, I mean, it's irrelevant what the stable thinks of the horse anyway. I mean, okay, yeah. stables can come out and say the horse is going no good or uh, I can't believe that it's his price. It's, you know, if the big pros like it or don't like it, that's what's going to be your deciding factor. And Dicko's right. I mean, Wednesday, we speak about this a little bit as well. For a Saturday race meeting, you've got Wednesday to Saturday morning. In essence, there's two different markets. There's yeah. the market that comes up Wednesday to Saturday and you can have people back and things and blah, blah, blah. It, to be honest... Starts again. It yep. starts again from nine AM, and, and then you get the real um, liquidity in those markets. So, so when like obviously there is a point and there is a place to have an early bet because there can be complete overs. Um, but I, as you point out, that the the, the, the um, biggest bets come in the last what half an hour or so because the big the big players can analyze the track conditions and 
how they predict that that race might play after watching a few of the early races or analysing conditions on that particular day. So um, it's always an interesting chat to have regarding the market because like when people hashtag they knew um, when a horse drifts and gets smashed or when they back one and it wins, um, that's just telling us that the market knew. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those ones where people write they knew. They actually don't know who they are. No. Um, which which is which is quite uh, amusing in itself. But um, yeah, and that, that's exactly what it is. It, it's the market. But in, in saying that, the market's made up of a lot of different players. And in essence, maybe it's only a few that are actually really doing those um, late pushes at the death. So they God that knows? Is it Jesus that oh, knows? Oh, oh, depends if you're an atheist, I suppose. Well, like, if it's on the like Saturday afternoon, then the day might be different people to they at Flemington. That way. Okay, you're breaking up there. We didn't quite say that again, Deco. The days change depending on the venue and the day. So yep. if there's a heap, if there's a massive drift on a Tuesday at some out wide joint, that's a different day, in my opinion, to the you know Saturday day. Yeah, they're the big, big boys. That does make sense. Eight twenty-seven in the east, seven twenty-seven in Queensland, five twenty-seven in WA, and it is three minutes to eight o'clock. Of course, in South Australia, we'll take the news, then we'll come back <laughs> with horses go. to follow and maybe some horses to sack. I'm going to sack one horse. Tom had a gutful of this gallop. I'll let you know which it is, which one it is straight after this. This is the weekend review um, with Jules Valance, Steve Watling, Jack Dickens, and Gareth Hall here on Giddy Up. 8.30 here on the Weekend Review, 0499736736. Best text messages win a mailbag bloodstock cap and also, of course, a barrier tender cap. And Jules is probably going to send us through a Foxcatcher Intel cap. And um, we might line those three caps up and we'll see. I might judge what I think the best design is. And we might do that next week. Um, let's have horses to follow and horses to sack. I'll sack one straight away from Mooney Valley. Um the nephew, what a disgrace it was again on the weekend, Jules. <laughs> it's an embarrassment. I don't know how how you pro punters and um, can can get it all wrong. Like he was, he's just disgusting. That horse these days, the nephew. He was poor. He he, he, he didn't handle the fast run race. That's for sure. He um he, he's a myth. Well, he, he sucked us probably in first up, second up with the apprentice jockey. He got deep into a prep with a senior jockey on. Somewhat, some would consider a good draw. Um, I, I, I was interested to say he was he was tight enough, but then right at the death, that last two or three minutes, he was soft as you'll get. He was like three ninety out to four sixty, but could get five five fifty exchange. Knew. Well, they knew. It was they, they knew because of the map. The map at the valley. Yeah, well, was, they knew. He's um, going to get flushed out the back of the surf, past the school. See you later. Hey, Dicko, wouldn't have mattered if he had the greatest run of all time. He, he got out. <laughs> He got out with plenty. Yeah, but like, the point is, the big boys knew he's never going to get the greatest front of all time. So, so have as much as you want on. Well, they, that's what they were saying. Well, yeah. what I'm saying, Dicker, they didn't know. Well, he, he did get the greatest run of all time. Like he should have won and, with that run. That he by, had. by your venom and, and emotion, it sounds like yeah. they got a fair bit of G Alls money too. He's had a bit on. I think. I think we probably learn from the nephew is the fact that he cannot handle a fast run two thousand meter race. So, if any time you want to. Go back to the well with the nephew, and you know, good luck to you. I, I wouldn't be with you, but um, you'd want to. You'd want a soft run race. You'd want to have done your maps. You'd want to have done your work. That that's probably where he's at because a fast run two thousand. What we saw there on Saturday, 
he he couldn't cope with it. All right, then while we're in sacking horses, um, we'll start off with you, Jules. No, he was mine, to be honest. So Thank you got God. me, and um, I don't really have any others. Um, but yeah, that, that he was he was the one that I thought um, you just can't be with again. All right, Dino. Uh, none from Sydney, but um, Ice Pick Nick was on his last legs on the weekend, and he was too bad to be oh. true. So he oh, goes. Here's another thing. pretender, Ice Pick Nick. I'll give you the tip. Oh, we got sucked sucked into him three times now. Yeah, he's gone. Going, going, gone. Uh, I'll be with Ice I'll be with Ice Picnic next start right. get some headgear on and he'll improve. Um, <coughs> um I'm a Shelby, the winner of the last. I just think it's just always blessed in run and it'll be over bet next start. I'm a Shelby. So I'm actually gonna take on and sack a horse that is relevant to the market, you know. So yeah. what yeah. That's a good point, Dicko, because I reckon that race actually hasn't rated that well overall. And I think a yeah. few out of it, horses like Hennessy Lad and the horse that you back, three and four pence, I reckon the market will want to gravitate towards them because they had no luck. Yeah. They're the flashing light. But or we always talk about it at Foxcatcher. Beware the unlucky runner in a poor rating race. That the market yep. wants to be with it, but yeah. the race hasn't gone any good. So even if they get out and win the race, it hasn't really yeah. done anything on the clock. So just be careful of those horses that were unlucky in races that haven't really gone that good. So horses like, say, three and four pence, even shock them over, I thought was pretty big. He had to come from... Whoa. He had to no, come, no, he had to come over, from don't Caulfield. Don't hey? Don't, don't sack shock him over. Shock him over was a very nice kickoff point for this preparation. Good yeah. run. Yeah, All he right. was first up. I mean, the thing with three and four pence is you go, well, he's he's now had two runs and now he's going to be third up. He's a seven-year-old. So there's no much improvement you would think to come from this horse. Yeah. He, gets Jay, he had Jay Carr on Saturday and yeah, it didn't have much luck, but... You know, probably going to get a downgrading jockey next start, and you're going to take a premium price. Uh, just be very wary of those kinds of horses. What do you make of the two-year-olds in the opening race? Like some people call me, let everywhere bar the post and emerge. Oh, that's, that's James how Cummings. How are you going with that? Oh, how like, where are we? That was a good run. Early on, you can't complain those. about that. Um, that was a, at least well, you got you a were? good run for your money. Emer, I thought. The Oliver needed every bit of that 1,200 metres. But are those two, any horses in that race you want to be following, Jules? No, that race actually worries me. Like, yep. I can't see yep. that being a, a race that is at all anywhere near Blue Diamond material. And that's just my opinion of how I've rated that race. Um, and that, yeah, so I would be surprised if they were to go on and, and be competitive in, in, in the, the big group ones. DK? I, I actually I actually disagree. I think that the race, yes, is like lowish, but the horse that Gareth backed, the CMR horse, the Colt horse, I can't remember its name, I reckon it's a stayer. And I reckon it's going to get out in trip and be a pretty nice horse. But to do what it did early on, if it is a stayer, which is my inkling, I reckon he's above average and a horse you can follow with a bit of confidence out in trip. How good shuffle dancer, Jules? Just set up really well for it that race, yeah. though. I mean, it was so well placed, and the market agreed with that. I mean, two dollars into a dollar fifty-five, and the sort of damage was done. Probably, you know, by Saturday morning, it was it was off the charts. Um, it had panels on them, um, and the, and it's one of those races where I think it's going okay, but it's sort of like winner only. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, the, the, the next the horses run second and third, they're going to go. Oh, that was behind Shuffle Dancer, but they've been absolutely gapped. What happened to Moon? That's a, that's a that's a great point. That's a really good point for punters at home. The same thing will happen. Jules with the small and wave race because these are two horses yep. that won hands and heels. Like they weren't even asked for their maximum effort mm. and they gapped them. PG. And everything else out of that race, they go, oh, that was, it was only three lengths off that horse. 
Doesn't matter. It got killed. PJ Moody could be just forget the form guy, just back him these days. He was even winning at camp oh. now. Well, you didn't go to me for my full credit, but my full credit's actually. Oh, we haven't done that yet. We'll take the. But we can do full credit now if you want. <laughs> well, I had, Peter. Peter gets a lot of credit. Like Peter's, is Peter doing half the work? I think she's very stiff not to get a lot more full credits than she deserves. I, I reckon she's a gun. Who are you talking about? The is it Kathy Coleman? Yeah, that's it. You thought he'd forgotten his name, didn't you? Kathy, what a woman! What a trainer! What a horseman! Horsewoman, my lover, I think she's an outstanding asset to the narrative that is racing and she's doing a phenomenal job. And Peter's been up on the Gold Coast for three and a half weeks. Kathy's been doing all the work out there at Pakenham, either freezing or, or, or ridiculously hot, and she's getting no credit. All right, so, full credit to Kay Coleman. Now, pounding, um, he was a, like a couple of my mates from Birdship Bone pounding, so well done, lads, to be on the track now listening. Corner Pocket was brave. We follow any horses there, Jules? Um Again, perfect race shape sort of for pounding, right spot, right time, good. Everything sat was perfectly aligned. Race has gone okay, but you think about horses that are behind it, second, third, fourth, fifth, like Savannah Clouds had nine runs or ten runs this prep. Uh-huh. Where does it go? Um, how did it start? How did it start that price? Oh, yeah. Office to God. I couldn't, I still don't understand how it did it. Yeah, I think maybe the picket God fence, picket fence holds those sort of horses in. I think Dicko possibly. Um, yeah. But I agree with you. I sort of couldn't find it at that, that sort of market price. But there's a couple behind it that I'm worried about. I thought Munamek, you know, he's he's now deep into a prep. Where do we go with him? Again. You get sucked into Cry yeah. Munamek, I think. Everyone gets yeah. sucked in. Mm-hmm. got sucked in too with that horse, didn't you, Dicko? Yeah, but I wasn't completely sucked in. Um, I, I think the run was a pass. Like, I didn't, I didn't steam into it, is what I'm saying there, Dean. And I don't think the run was a complete, like, Fail just wasn't suited the way they track raced on Saturday, and they kind of came home as they as they ended the straight. He's going to be a really, um, really big grey up for me next start. Munamek, if they persist with this prep. All right then, horses we're following out of this meeting then, Jules. Um, I found Berry Bubbly in race three. You so would, was, wouldn't you? Berry Bubbly. Yeah, yeah, delicious. Um, <laughs> it was off about I think 43, 44 days or something. I just didn't get much luck. I liked the market support. It was sort of nine into seven. I reckon they can find a race for it. Um, so Berry Bubbly's one. And there's two from Flemington, which were up the straight. I think there's a horse that he's just was first up and just got too far back. It sort of just missed the bunny. Um, they'll find a really nice race for it. It's called Hello Broadcast. I think it's one you'd follow. And I reckon Yosemite in the last is knocking on the door okay. too. Um, I think John McNeil might make our great mate Johnny O'Neill's own no-files there after the ride on um, Barry Bubbly on Saturday. He didn't have much luck. Oh, no, nah, he just – it's well, it was it was weird. He sort of drew wide and then yeah. ended up on the rail and obviously didn't get a run. But um, as I said, maybe there's another race that we're sort of looking at going forward because it was off that sort of 40 yeah. days. So I think it could springboard off that. We'll take a break. We'll have a look at the other meetings outside of Melbourne, of course, Randwick especially, and then we've got our full credits. Thank you for reminding me, Dicko, but I thought I'd put that to the back end of nine because people look forward to that each and every week. And then we'll take your text messages as well. Send them in 0499 736 736. This is the Weekend Review. Gareth Hall, Jules Valance, Jack Dickens and Dean Watling with you here on Giddy Up on this Monday morning.
This is the Weekend Review. Gareth Hall, Jules Valance, Jack Dickens and Dean Watling joining you on this Monday morning. I'll get to your text messages in just a moment. 0499 736 736. Um, at the Randwick meeting, Dean Watling, this is your wheelhouse in your own backyard. What did you make of the, the cart? Um, the two-year-old race, first of all, was Snowden and McDonald, as you pointed out. You got 650 for their winner. Um, Don Corleone, I think that's how you pronounce it. Don Corleone. Do we not Corleone. watch movies? No, I don't. Don Corleone. <laughs> what is Don Corleone? That? What a godfather. Uh, Cassie Coleman. Oh, no. How did I get that wrong? That's embarrassing. Um, can the godfather be oh, winning more races? Up on Dino. And he can't even get Don out. You hear, can you hear us, Dino? Yeah, what was that? Sorry. Uh, can can that two-year-old Don Corleone be winning more races? Yeah, for sure. We speak of the two-year-old races and it's my favourite puzzle of this time of year, trying to stack them up and see which can progress and not progress. And I'm in the camp and that this race has rated really, really well. They've gone out about 0.5 lengths faster than the average and they've come home about 3.3 lengths uh, faster than the average. So the race is rated through the roof, uh, fastest last 200 of the meeting from Don Corleone. So really smart ride. Is there any better jockey on a horse that's four wide the trip and just gets them to travel than J-Mac? I think the second horse we can follow too, but these are two really nice horses that we can follow into the features. I think um, outside of King Gambit, I think there's a big gap between the top and then the neck. So we're looking for horses to fill in the gap. And I think Don Turleone is a perfect horse for that um, next step. A lot of um, people that have been watching this game far longer than I say that James McDonald is the greatest wide gate jockey in the history of the sport. There's no better jock about um, winning races from terrible gates than J-Mac. Um, what about Fleetwood? What did you make of that galloper? Did you watch that race, Jules, on Saturday? Fleetwood, there was oh, – Dean, I'll go to you. There was a lot of support for that galloper. I know you were keen on him. Yeah, it just looked like the horse wasn't probably ready. Um, that which can happen with two-year-olds. And I think if you back the horse, you got the early price, you, you've got to be very, um, probably uh, have the ability to take losses like this with the two-year-olds because they can purely turn up the races. They can trial like a rocket and they get the race day and they can just fail. So don't pen the horse. I think the next preparation matures up. I think um, the market support was there and the stable liked it. So I think we can take that. But um, it happens more often than not in these two-year-old and three-year-old races. The There's horses a- just don't handle race day. Full credit to um, Sava San Beaufort Park. That was the training performance there, Dicko. Um, I think that was his ninth runner there in Sydney, and he produced the goods, and they backed it too. Beaufort Park with um, Dino's girl on board and Rachel King. Full credit. Absolute full credit. Full credit all around. Go Saab. Uh, go Rachel. Uh, Dean didn't tip it, which is disappointing, but... Um... Full credit. Yep, full credit. What are any horses do, that we need to be following out of that Sydney meeting in your eyes, Dicko? Don Corleone. Yeah, it's 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 like elite elite data. Forget even watching the race. Like the numbers are just outstanding. The the, the ceiling, God knows where it is for this horse. The Snowdens will probably win the Blue Diamond and probably win the Golden Slipper by the look of it. Yeah. Um, like this is freakish. They paid 650k for this horse, Gareth, as a weanling. That's, <laughs> like, that's... how much money have you got? Yeah. Seriously. Oh, well, it's a good like, buy. And, and now they're going to make a ton off that 650. So full credit <laughs> to them as well. Full credits all around. Don Corleone is a freak. Very, very good horse. And um, I don't know what's going to be able to what... beat it. It's the biggest figure in Sydney by a mile this what, season. What did you make of the uh, Millions winner, Jules? Did you enjoy the um, the the winner, the Philly? Um, that 
took out success there Skirt for Tony the Dolan. Skirt the law. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was a good performance. It was on Thursday or something, wasn't yeah, it? To, really, to people yeah, watch racing no. on Thursday. Dino, what did you make of Skirt the Law? I think it's the only horse we want to follow out of that field. And I think I'm very concerned about the horses in behind. I think Summer Loving's probably the only other one we'd take out. I think it should have finished probably second. Yeah. But Empire of Japan, I think it might be a wet truck and one further. Um, Platinum Jubilee, I thought, was there to win and probably gone off the ball. Maybe needs a spell. But I think Skirt the Law's on pace, which you need to be in these two-year-old races. You need to be in a slipper. So if I'm going to take any horses out of it, Skirt the Law and Summer Loving, the only ones... I really want to take. And probably outside of that, it's a little bit similar to last year. I think we got a nice couple of top-ranked two-year-olds, but I think it's it's a below-average year this far. I want to see some really nice ones step out these next couple of days and these next couple of weeks. Horses to follow from Sydney um, for you, Dino, before we take a break. Yeah, race five, Cardone got a mile back there. It was a strong run race, but this horse uh, was a nice winner first up. I like that um, second up profile. And then now third up um, off this run can run really well. And Lavark out of race seven, another one who got a mile back and charged the lining there. Two nice horses we can follow out of the, the Randwick meeting. Hey, Dicko, we'll take a quick break. Full credit coming up next. I've got a job for you in the break. Can you look up the data of the two-year-old in the first race there at Ascot on Saturday? Um, I think there and and the initial plate data too the the horse that um, that race that that horse made on or had on debut. Uh, I'm talking about um, Trevor Andrews's smart. Did you get your boost juice in the sauna? No, I want you to have a look at it. What race was that? It was in the first race. The horse is called a lot of good man. So a lot of good men, I should say. Look up that data for us and we'll explain. I'll explain why straight after this. This is the weekend review on this Monday morning on Giddy Up. Here's the weekend review on Giddy Up. Jules Valance, Jack Dickens, Dean Watling, um, Gareth Hall with you. Now, there was a horse that won that first race there at Perth on Saturday. A lot of good men. And at second started two-year-old for Trevor Andrews. Um, I think it's well above average. And the horse that defeated it on debut in that initial play, and I just had a chat to my um, form guru in the, in the West, the Pistol Pete, Pete Anthonis, and he said that was a big number for a two-year-old race in fact, one of the biggest numbers that he can recall. Um, and Brave Halo won that race. Lived to tell. Simon Miller's been on the record saying it's one of the very best two-year-olds that he's ever put a saddle on. It finished second. Brave Halo's in town. Um, it's with Nick Ryan now, um, Dicko. So I suggest you might have something on Brave Halo to win a Blue Diamond. Um, it's a big number for Perth, as Peter said, but that's Perth. So, yeah. It's not, this horse isn't going to go near King's Gambit off the data. Well, I don't think King's but, Gambit. But I'm just Nick t- Ryan will improve it, and um, no doubt, uh, hard hard to profile. The winner on Saturday has had a nice progression from first first start to second start, just off the numbers. And you'd think Live to Tell will start like a dollar ten wherever it goes to next in Perth, Gareth. Yes, um, full credit now. Where we start with you, Jules? Full credit. Amy McLucas. Um, she came across, rode a pretty short price favourite at Mooney Valley yeah. called Unflinching. And I think probably a lot of people thought it's going to be straightforward, just jump, lead, control the race. It wasn't as easy as that. It was, I reckon, a little bit tardy from the gates. At no stage did she panic. I think she probably did her homework before as well, first ride at Mooney Valley, um, and just got the job done. It's what you want from as a punter when you're going and taking those short prices. You need to have confidence in every part of the process. And 
um, she delivered, I thought, and her numbers in Sydney show that she could do that as well. So she put up, uh, I put up some on Twitter on mm. Saturday morning, some numbers around her that you could, you know, bet with confidence with her. But um, I thought that was a really good job for her and, and, and good luck to her career, whether she wants to come down to Melbourne now or she stays up there, but she's doing a good job. Full credit then. Oh, I love that. So what on Amy? What about you, Dino? Yeah, my full credit probably goes to a couple of the smaller stables in Sydney. We saw the Danielle Sieb stable take out the highway. Um, the post-race interview was fascinating. This was a target race, which you don't generally see, but Blinkers on, nailed it. And then uh, Robert and Luke Price with Cuban Royale had three wins this preparation. It's a horse that knows its price. It often goes off at massive odds. And again, um, $13 there, great ride by Brock Ryan. Um, that horse is absolutely firing. Rising eight-year-old, 60 starts, and it's produced three wins this preparation. So full credit to Robin Luke Price and Danielle C. Yeah. Full credit to Henry Field, by the way, for getting back to me so quickly. 50-50, King's Gambit of heading to the Blue Diamond. They've got the Canterbury this weekend, and what a race that promises to be, Dino. If you're not excited about that two-year-old race, then you'll never, ever get excited. Mm-hmm. No, no, exactly. Oh, I think maybe maybe the winner on the weekend, Gareth, maybe helps them out with that decision with King's Gambit, the Snowdens. If they maybe send Dom Ferlio down there for the Blue Diamond and keep King's Gambit for the, the slipper, because we know it's hard to do the Blue Diamond slipper double, and King's Gambit looks the perfect slipper type. Full credit to the girl power as well. Um, Amy McLucas, Linda Meach. Um, then we went Madison down Lloyd, to Celine Gordry. Um, oh, Carleen Heffel, Jenny Duggan, um, Jamie Carr, um, even Talk Rachel Hill all got winners on the weekend. So girl power, Rachel, um, Rachel King, Jenny Duggan. Yeah. Oh, here we go, Rachel King fan club number um, one ticket holder. Now, Dicko, do you still have to go at nine o'clock, or can you take a few questions from our loyal listeners? Take a couple of quick ones, Jay. Right, after the news, tell the tell the um vet just to hang on a sec. They'll be late anyway. Go and buy her or he a coffee. Um, no, and they should be no. right. We'll take the know, news. Shop around here. Well, nine o'clock here in the east, east eight o'clock in, of course. Um, where would eight o'clock be? Queensland, wouldn't it, Dicko? And of course, six seven o'clock. o'clock. Seven o'clock in Queensland. <laughs> six o'clock in the west. We'll take the news and we'll come back with your questions. Oh four double nine seven three six seven three six. Straight after this. Welcome back to Giddy Up. Time to take your questions. <laughs> James says, "Good representation of how the weekend of racing went." Just see Dino falling off a paddleboard. Um, is that true, Dino? What was that? Sorry, did you fall off a paddleboard somewhere? Yeah, I was on the uh, harbour on Saturday, and yeah, it was a um. Oh, yeah, there you go. Got getting, a good video of that. So. You've become no, a social media doesn't, sensation. Doesn't, doesn't bode very well for the little surfing image he's trying to build, does yeah. it? Hi, G. <laughs> um, Bull Finnick is getting sacked never again for me. It needs to retire to a dairy farm so it can drink all the milk it likes. That's from Manny from Ingle Farm. Do you agree there, Dino? Bullfinch, yeah, it's a very hard horse to cap. Albeit the map was a bit tricky there, but I think um, it's had enough chances now. It's a dead set pack chaser. So um, I've dropped off, and I think you should drop off too. Dave from Frankston's house says, Hi, guys. I thought Aaron Bay was very good on Saturday. It's worth following. I'm a recreational punt and have been for over 40 years. The bonus bet offers from the betting agencies weren't around years ago and give punters a great advantage if used wisely. You agree there, Jules? Yeah, no doubt. And Aaron Bay is a, a, a really interesting case study because it was first go 2,000 metres. It was a brutally run race. And he 
he handled it really well. I didn't think he was. I thought he was a bit of a Goldilocks horse. He needed all the things go his way, yeah. but he found another string to his bow, which is great. And he'll be second go two thousand meters next prep, which ain't no deal done. Was on Saturday. I love second go two thousand meters in a prep. It is a ripper. So it's like putting your centre half forward into the ruck after your ruckman went down. He he, he surprised you a little bit. He really did. Day, yeah, and he surprised the market. He was six out to eleven. Yeah. Um, Dicko, anything for today, lads? Dicko, you got a special for us? That's from Tommy. Oh, Tommy, calm down, Jesus man. It's yeah. nine o'clock in the morning. I've got no idea. Um, I don't even know where they're racing. Kettle Hill, Dean, I'm sacking it as well after its brilliant four first up in Melbourne. Um, I've jumped into it twice in Sydney and it looks to be plain rubbish, especially Saturday. No excuses. What do you think, Dino? I think it needs a spell now. Obviously, it's first up in Australia and they can often do that and go off the boil. So I uh, expect to go for a spell now and it'll be very, very interesting what the market does first up next preparation. But um, don't don't drop off next prep. Drop off now, but not next prep. Mick says, surely they're going to start King's Gambit in the Blue Diamond Jewels. Why would they um, commence its career at Caulfield if they didn't have that in mind? Yeah, I think that's a very good point. But maybe did it go bigger than what they thought it was going to go? And now they're, you know, hedging their bets a little bit. I'm, I'm interested in the whole fact that they go, well, wait and see, see what happens on when they run next start. I've got some important information. We have run out of time. But right. Henry Fields just got back to me Um I asked him about the Godfather Don, and he said that um, he's very exciting as well. And I said, would he go to the Blue Diamond? And he said, one of those will. So they'll split them up. So they'll see how King's Gambit goes on Saturday. They'll talk. So what, what prices well, if they, are if they, if they have to send King's Gambit to the Blue Diamond because it's already proved it's locks Caulfield. It'd be stupid to go the other way, wouldn't it, Jules? Yeah, it's, it, the fact that it's got well, it wouldn't be Caulfield; it'd be um, Sandown, isn't it? Because Sandown. That's, that, yeah. That's oh, exactly. well, that that changes things. Yeah, I think they'll pick the best horse. I think it's impossible to go the Blue Diamond to the Slipper. So I think whatever they think is the better horse, I think they'll keep it home and stay for the Slipper. And whatever the second rank, they'll send to the Diamond. Well, history tells you, unless I think Seapoy, there's only six horses in history that have won the Blue Diamond and then went on to win the Golden Slipper. The last yeah, extre- horse extreme, to do Extreme Choice started very short price horses, though, in the Golden Slipper or winning a Blue Diamond. And Flying Artie came out of the same race and ran a nice race. So it, it can be done. Yeah, it can be done. So would you there from a uh, – um, you're, you're a gun punter, Jules. So what we, for the, do we get an advantage there? We've got um, King's Gambit four fifty and the Don at $15. Do we have something – on any of those horses, knowing one of them will come? Yeah, I mean, I just think you just wait. I yeah. just don't think there's any any Upside. advantage at all trying yeah. to, you know, know the dog before it goes to school. So basically you're telling me that was pointless texting Henry. No, it's good information, but yes. I think it's good information for the punters out there to know that one or need, like, there's no certainty here yeah. at all. And so jumping on and then going, oh, I took an early price about King's Game, well, it's irrelevant if it doesn't get to the race. Love your work. Who wins the best text message, Dino? Dicko's left. Uh- uh, I think best text message goes to uh, I think I the Bullfinch question. Yeah, all right. Then, Maddie, we'll send you a barry attendant hat. Well done, Maddie. Hey, Jules, um, enjoy your day, and we'll Thanks, look forward mate. to catching up with you later in the week. That'll be great. Hopefully you can join us on Saturday morning. People will text in, where's Jules? Um, we missed you. I find that hard to believe. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> serious. I'll, I'll get those text messages up. Good on you, Dino. Thanks, fellas. And Dicko's rushed off to the vet. He says, thank you very much. That is the weekend review on Giddy Up. We'll take a break. On the other side of it, we'll find you some winners today with Bag of Tips.